Binge Movies, the revolutionary force in movie reviews. Coming to you from the last video store in the universe, it's Binge Movies, episode 134. I'm Jason. This is a show that ranks, eliminates movies, determine which ones are most worthy of preservation for all time, even beyond the end times. On this episode, I give you results. <laughs> There's no way to make that sound. Uh, I've never known. <coughs> I've never known what to call these follow-up episodes. It's the result show. Well, you know, it's this isn't America's Got Talent. Uh, this is a result from Fallout. Maybe that. Uh, maybe I should do it from the top. Let's do it from the top. Coming to you from the last video store in the universe. It's Binge Movies, episode one hundred and thirty-four. I'm Jason. This is the show that ranks, eliminates movies, to determine which ones are most worthy of preservation for all time, even beyond the end times. On this episode, the results of Fallout. I'm going to be sharing with you some results from some uh, recent uh, stuff we've done over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash binge movies. You want to get in, you want to support a show. Shows like this are be they're starting to get harder and harder to come by, uh, but that's a rant for another day. Um, but if you remember, assistant manager above, you get voting rights um, for different polls that we do. Really, you get to shape the future of the show. Um, season 6.4 is going to have the return of a previous sub-series of the show that was very time-consuming but popular. And it was voted on many moons ago by our patrons over at patreon.com slash binge movies for as low as $4 a month or as high as 8 bucks a month. And that's in U.S. currency, so it may translate a little different where you're at. Um, you get to be a part of the show. Uh, you get to uh, join us for something like a live stream of Binge Movies Presents, where I literally present a movie to you, give you some history, give you some details, uh, let you know my personal history of a the film. Then we watch the movie together and interact throughout the movie. One of the great things of the video store era was you would go to the movie store, or the video store, the movie store, you go to the video store with your friends on a Friday night or Saturday night and you'd browse the aisles, you'd pick a movie, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you haven't, you go home and you watch it. And maybe it was a sleepover situation, maybe it was a date situation, maybe it was just a, you know, a hangout situation, maybe it was sitting around uh, indulging in some, uh, you know, various and sundry activities there's a movie on and what would you do? You'd eat pizza and you laugh and you talk and you'd talk over the movie rooting experience for everybody. That's the gift that I want to give back to you. That's the gift that I want to give back to you. I want to get us all together on the Patreon and talk over a movie and ruin the experience for you. We're going to do it again in October. Uh, this past weekend, we did 1987's Miami connection. We've done deadly prey. We're going to do it again in October. 
Lord willing, the creek don't rise. We're going to do it in October. Don't have a date yet, but I will announce it on Twitter at Binge Movies. Best way is just join the Patreon, patreon.com slash binge movies, and you'll see. You'll get an update there. We're going to do it, and uh, I think I'm going to make it available this October's to all patrons. It's normally assistant managers are above, but in October, I'm going to make it available. And I'll tell you why down the road, but I'm going to make it available to all patrons so you can join at any level. I suggest joining at the first of the month um, because it's where you get the most bang for your buck. Um, in my opinion, I don't want to see people get ripped off and join a month, join this late in the month and then get billed again at the beginning of the month. Join in October for four bucks. You get to be part of the live stream. Plus you get a membership card to binge movies here in St. Tropical, Ohio and various and sundry other benefits. I do whole other shows that you've never heard. And because of our patrons, because of our generous patrons, especially our elite Patrons who are in the show notes down below. Um, the second half of this episode is going to be a Patreon exclusive episode uh, that came out on the Patreon a little while ago for the 40th anniversary of The Thing uh, that was celebrated over the summer. So it's part of our VHS summer series that we do every year, part of VHS Summer 2. Already excited for VHS Summer 3. We're barely a week into fall. And I fucking hate it. So I just can't wait to get back to VHS Summer too. But would VHS Summer be so sweet if it was all year round? It's a question to ask yourself. One of the things I did pose to the folks over at the Patreon was, of course, this cataclysmic. First time in history, two film reviewers, two film critics have ever met in a steel cage. I said it on Twitter. It bears repeating. Siskel and Ebert never went 40 minutes in a steel cage. Pauline Kael went 15 minutes in exploding barbed wire in Japan with one of her reviews, but it doesn't count. It was in Japan. It was, you had to be a tape trader back in the day to even see it. Okay. But here, in binge movies emanating from sunny tropical Akron, Ohio, we pitted two film critics against each other. And it came down to, so this is a spoiler warning, Casablanca for the third time, D.W. Lundberg, to some controversy and some heated comments from Claire from W Rated and just all purpose internet Claire. Shrek sweaty Claire came with a vengeance for D.W. Lundberg on Twitter. It was crazy. Um, shocking. But he picked Casablanca again. That part wasn't shocking. And the Lady One got her rematch because of some shenanigans that happened at uh, Beach Brawl. And here we are. Here we are now. And it all came down to my pick, Night of the Living Dead versus Casablanca. And our patrons voted, and I will reveal to you what our patrons said in a minute. But first, we have to cover... <coughs> but first... But first, we have to cover some other uh, exciting, I guess, news, some other votes. Um, I've been doing something for our elite patrons called Blind Spots. On Blind Spots, I watch a movie in real time that I've never seen, and they don't know what the movie is. I don't tell them in advance. They go into it blind. I go into it blind. They maybe have seen the movie. They may know it. They may have heard of it. Um, I've done a bunch of these um, so far. 
uh, and it's uh, pretty fun. But the third one I did was one of the most miserable experiences I've ever had. It was for a film starring Charles Grodin, John Lovitz, and Megan Mullally, among others, Mario Van Peoples Jr., called Last Resort. I did this as part of VHS Summer. This film was one of the least funny comedies I've ever seen. I refer to it as one of the least funny comedies ever made. What clever jokes were written, the execution of them was so bungled, the film went into an anti-comedy territory. I can't think of a better place to put this movie that looks like shit, sounds like shit, and even when a joke is funny in theory, they find some way of fucking it up. I can't think of a better place for it than the anti-vault. I put it up for a poll. Our elite patrons voted. They voted in favor. Yes, the movie does suck. <laughs> it needs to go into the anti-vault. I had a poll for a brand new patron saint. Uh, patron saint here for the Michael Ironside edition, right? If you don't know the show, our patron saint for years and years and years was Kevin Dunn. Beloved character actor in Mill England from Ghostbusters 2, among many other things. Uh, Kevin Dunn. I mean, you know him, you love him. He's been our patron saint of just everything. I mean, he he's the guy, right? Pat, rest in peace, and I, we, we built an altar to the guy. We pray to him three times a day. Um, then we had a little reoccurrence of another guy who came along who was seemed to be in every comedy that we watched, whether animated or live action. And that man's name is Dom DeLuise. And we realized that Dom DeLuise is also like a patron saint, but not just of comedy. He's our patron saint of flavor because he used Ziploc flavor saver bags. He'd wake up in the middle of the night. He's hungry. He's hungry in the middle of the night. Big dogs got to eat. He goes to the refrigerator. He finds a Ziploc bag, but he's worried. The leftovers, they're going to be good? Of course they're going to be good. Their flavor has been saved. And now that he's ascended to the ethereal plane, he saves our flavor. It's really simple. And that was it for a long time. We had two patron saints. But there's this other guy who kept cropping up, cropping up, cropping up, cropping up. And you know him as Michael Ironside. And there's, there's four criteria for canonization within the binge movies patron saint pantheon. Number one, they have to appear in at least five films ranked on binge movies. Number two, they have to serve as an exemplar of a character actor. Step three, they have to have verified miracles attested to them. And step four, upon review, canonization. That's the four-step process. So I gave it up for our folks on Patreon, and I asked them to vote. With an overwhelming 100%, Michael Ironside is being added as the patron saint of scary motherfuckers. We've got the patron saint, our, our chief patron saint. Really, we should just call it Binge Done. But our chief patron saint, Kevin Dunn, we've got our patron saint of comedy and flavor in Dom DeLuise. And now we have our patron saint, Michael Ironside, the patron saint of scary motherfuckers. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. 
This past season, we did video game movies with Megan Kearns. If you haven't listened to that episode, Megan is a film critic from the Boston Film Critics Association. She is one of the hosts of Spoiler Peace Theater. Spoiler Peace Theater? Spoiler Peace Theater? Is there a theater attached to that? Jesus Christ. What's wrong with me? I'm going to say it's Spoiler Peace Theater. I don't know if there's a theater there, but there is a Spoiler Peace. It might just be Spoiler Peace. I don't fucking know. It's been a long 2022. Um, she is uh, a, a former last movie standing champion. She is a re recurring guest of the show. At this point, I would just love to say she's reached that illustrious status in a year. of. I would like to just consider her a contributing host. Not even a, she's not a guest anymore. Because here at Binge Movies, you're not a guest. You're family. She gets a never-ending pasta bowl, but the pasta is full of chits. The bowl and the chits organize our videotapes and our DVDs and our Blu-rays and our CEDs and our cassette tapes and our vinyl records and our 8-tracks and our MP3s um, and our codes and our QR codes and our digital downloads. We organize everything here by chit. So you have a never-ending bowl of chits, Megan. A never-ending bowl of chits. No late fees, though. That's the great thing about binge movies. Never any late fees. And if you want a no late fees shirt, go to bingemovies.threadless.com, and you can get a no late fees shirt. No problem. We've got a, a line of merch. Uh, you spend $30. Threadless gives me $1.50. It's a wonderful deal. Uh, but it does help support the show. And then you can walk down the street in uh, uh, a direct-to-garment printed shirt, and somebody will go, what the hell is that? And you go, it's the very weird podcast I listen to that comes from a video store that may be a portal to hell in Akron, Ohio. <sighs> it's got real film critics on it, and they do real film analysis, but everything else about it is extraordinarily strange. <laughs> so there's that. You know, We got that going for us. Um, but in that video game episode with Megan Kearns, what do we do? We talked about video game movies of the 2000s. And you cannot talk about video game movies of the 2000s without talking about Uwe Boll, Dr. Uwe Boll. And he may or may not, or his assistant may or may not have tweeted me <laughs> in response to the episode, which does not surprise me. Any day now, he's going to ring the doorbell here at Binge Movies, walk through the doors, pass through those metal detectors, and sock me in the jaw for charity. Any day now, any day now, any day now, Dr. Uwe Boll is going to be on a private jet to Akron, Ohio. Uh, the Can Akron Airport's the one you're looking for, Doc, and I'll be meeting you at the gate. Anyway, House of the Dead 2003 was one of those. It's one of the worst movies ever made, period. We put it up for a vote again. Put it up for a vote over at Binge Movies, you know, our Patreon, patreon.com slash binge movies. And our patrons voted unanimously. Because they actually had to watch this one. Because many of our patrons are also competing in the Binge Movies Challenge. 122 films in 365 days. At the end of it, I've got an illustrious tape selection here that's no longer in circulation. One of our beautiful new releases. New is a relative term. Keep that in mind. New is a relative term around here. Just as is reality and time and space. And um, if, you, if you compete and if you complete the challenge... Uh, by the end of the year, I will mail you a tape from our shelves here. So you have a piece of our personal collection in your personal collection forevermore as a thank you and as a 
as a trophy for completing the binge movies challenge, which I think I'll do again next year. Uh, just as a fair warning, there's a bunch of people that said, Oh, had I known about it, I would have done it. Well, we're going to put that to the test and I'm going to clap at you because we're going to put that to the test. You, you gave me your word on Twitter. And if somebody's word on Twitter isn't good and what is, if we can't rely on tweets, what can we rely on this crazy upside down world? So I put it up for a point anti-vault. It was voted unanimously to go into the anti-vault. So we will have two new editions of the anti-vault house of the dead, 2003 and 1980 somethings lost resort, both dog shit. And we will have a new entry into our binge movies, pantheon of patron saints. Thanks to our patrons over on Patreon. Say that five times fast. Patreon.com slash binge movies. You're like, hey, I'm starting to catch on. This is all but an ad read for all of the various sundry goods that you're uh, selling. They're not goods. They're services. And we're offering them to you. Why wouldn't you take advantage of what I'm trying to offer you? Think of it of, of more as content creation charity. I'm giving back to you. You give me money and I give back to you. You give me money, I give you the charity of a t-shirt, or a tank top, or a sweatshirt, or a hoodie, or whatever the fuck. People are doing it all around the world. People are doing this all around the world. Go to bingemovies.threadless.com. Go to patreon.com slash bingemovies. Now the thing that you've actually signed up for, you're just lucky I'm not on here trying to hawk GTX uh, oil. This whole thing isn't just sponsored by GTX. Or, or JVC electronics that some I'm trying to hawk a, a boom box from JVC or Uggs. You know, I'm trying to say you have boots with fur in them. Just consider yourself lucky because the mattress ads are on their way. CRISPR's going to re up. They they love the return on investment they've gotten. So CRISPR mattresses is on the way. Well, we put it up, we put it up, we put it up, we put it up. The fallout, I said, you decide the winner. It came down to D.W. Lundberg, who joined Patreon to exclusively vote for himself. <laughs> and was, I believe, the sole vote for himself. Either that or he voted against himself because he's like, I can't do this anymore. Put me out of my misery like the fucking fly. He, he, you know, that, that, that actually could be the situation that Lundberg at this point Three times all year, he's had to come up with defenses for Casablanca. He got out of that fucking matter machine, the teleportation pod. And he's like, no, no, Gina Davis. I can't do this anymore. Put me out of my misery. And so for, for a, a 90% to 10%, the final vote is in. And the winner by landslide, I consider that a landslide victory, is the Lady Wan. She's going to move on, as is Night of the Living Dead. They're moving on to the final round of our Gauntlet Eliminator series. If you're new to the show, what normally happens is every season ends in the last movie standing, and the audience votes, and that film gets added to our vault. The winning film gets added to the vault. I said, hey, the rules are going to change. Prepare to change your mind. Uh, at the end of last year and this year, the whole thing has been whoever wins last movie standing, 
They and their movie continue on to the next round, and they have to choose between sticking with their movie or changing their mind and picking a new movie, which is an admission that the movie I picked was worthy out of that crop, but isn't necessarily worthy out of this crop. And Glumberg stuck to his guns, in fairness to him, stuck with Casablanca. It got him through two title defenses, three really title defenses. He drops it in the third. Lundberg, down goes Lundberg, down goes Lundberg. Casablanca has been eliminated from cinematic history. You take Casablanca, you take your one-dimensional female side character and your bullshit romance and your sack of mashed potatoes lead star you wrap it all that shit up and you throw it in a shit can because that son of a bitch is gone. It's been deleted. And now what's left? Studio system? Pfft, fucking shambles. What's left is the new Hollywood. A man from 90 minutes due east. The late great George Romero and his genre changing. Filmmaking changing, New Hollywood, Grindhouse, Drive-In Theater, Lapse Copyright Classic, Night of the Living Dead. That's what's out there now. That's what's moving on to the next round. And the Lady Wong will return for our very next last movie standing at the end of season 6.4. And we're going to call that, that event The Clash. And she will face off against the final boss for this entire year. And let me just say, if you thought Fallout was something, if you thought Beach Brawl was contentious and Fallout was fraught, you are not ready for the clash. Well, those are the results. Lady Wan moves on. Uh, season 6.4 is going to be on the way. We will return. In the intervening weeks, I've got a, some sponsored content and some other content I'm going to be getting out to you, some instant reactions to some new films as we head into the fall. Before you know it, we will be back. Paul from The Countdown will join us for a two-part season premiere in October. We are going to rank the entire Friday the 13th series, the biggest horror franchise we've covered for our third annual, fourth annual, I don't even remember, spooky season Binge movies spooktacular. Paul and Jason binge movies. And we've binge horror movies. We've been binging horror franchises. We've covered the Halloween series. We've covered the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Now we're covering the mother of them all, the Friday the 13th films. Yeah, so I'm excited about that. And then we've got a great slate of guests for the rest of the year. Again, a theme, uh, one of our popular subseries is coming back thanks to our patrons. If you want to know what else is going to be on the menu... For season 6.4, there's one way to find out. That information will be dropping first and foremost on Patreon. Patreon.com slash binge movies. You'll be seeing in the coming weeks. If you want to compete in the binge movies challenge, go to letterbox, letterbox.com slash binge movies. You can search through our list there as part of the binge movies profile, and you can see all of the uh, uh, previous chunks of the challenge <laughs> that sounds gross but i don't know how else to put it and uh you can start if you can squeeze in 122 films and what's left of the year then you're a very very special person here's a one little extra caveat 
a very generous listener and supporter of the show sent me uh, promo pins. They're big buttons for the 1989 release of Batman. Now, here's the thing about these pins. They are from 1989. These are the original marketing pins for the film Batman, sorry, Michael Keaton, for its initial release in 1989. These are completely real, completely legit, completely vintage. And I will gladly send them to any new patrons who join anywhere in the world. You could be anywhere in the world and join our Patreon, and I will mail them to you along with all of your various and sundry benefits. So I want to thank all of our patrons for making the show possible, uh, keeping the show going, all of their great support. I know many of our patrons are podcasters. Thank you so much uh, for supporting a fellow DIY independent podcaster. Thank you for everything. Join a great group of people over at patreon.com slash binge movies and thank them for being able to bring you free, ad-free content like this. I'm gonna hide this tape when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. Storm's been hitting us hard now for 48 hours. We still have nothing to go on. One other thing, I think it rips through your clothes when it takes you over. Windows found some shredded long johns, but the name tag was missing. They could be anybody's. Nobody, nobody trusts anybody now. We're all very tired. trust anybody now. There's nothing else I can do. Just wait. RJ McCready, helicopter pilot, U.S. Outpost number 31. June 25th, 2022 marks the 40th anniversary of John Carpenter's The Thing, a movie that managed to gross little more than its budget and to gross out its critics. Like many great 80s films, The Thing found new life on cable. Even the neuter TV edit managed to terrify and fascinate a generation. The film has so grown in esteem amongst the film faithful that it was one of only a handful of films I've been nervous to review. What was once a letdown has now become a shrine to all the best parts of yesteryear filmmaking and mobs of Fangoria fundamentalists will correct every minor factual lapse and set themselves to a good old-fashioned, well, actually, trial by fire. As an aside, I feel that the only episodes I truly failed to deliver on were the Carpenter ones. If I could do special editions or reduxes of that trilogy, I would. In fact, I might. I wanted the trilogy to be my definitive commentary and review on John Carpenter, and the results were not only not good, 
they were met with utter silence. Somehow, I doubt 40 years will magically make those classics. The problem with my episodes was I was too close to the material. I knew it too well to engage at the depth required to say anything worthwhile. I'd interrogated most of those movies my entire life, and so when it came to speak on them, I felt empty. A part of me feared that that would be my experience at the 40th anniversary Fathom event. Of all Carpenter's works, this, the thing, is the one I know the best. Not so much every bit of trivia, but what is within the frame. I've watched it so many times to make sense of the unfolding infection. Like, just when exactly is Blair compromised? How do the keys go missing? Was it when Windows drops them at the sight of Bennings being engulfed in entrails? Was Palmer or Norris the first to turn? Why does Norris have a heart attack? Why is there another Norris inside him? Does the thing prefer to strike from without or to more subversively infiltrate and begin imitating on the cellular level? Does the host know that they are being taken over or did Palmer think he was Palmer until his insides rebelled? We'll do you last. These ideas have swirled in my mind since my sickbed as a small kid and a 90s winner with a bearded dad by his bedside. Was my dad McCready? He dressed and acted like him, minus the J&B. The power of the film is that these questions have no answer. But the suspense of the picture forces you to ask them every time. Every time the movie draws you in and you feel nervous and unsure. Despite actually being sure that the end means nothing in the movie matters. See, Carpenter's genius at his peak was the ability to create nihilistic art that never felt like a waste of time. Even while his work effectively tells you that your efforts are just that, a goddamn waste of time. It is a waste of time to try to understand evil or even kill it because even after shooting it at point-blank range, it could still be loose in your neighborhood. It is pointless to try and restrain evil with religion or science because in the end, it will break free and consume the future. It is pointless to join the cause for your country because your country doesn't love you or know right from wrong. It only knows power. Finally, here in the ice, it is pointless to distrust or even fight because evil will outweigh you and outlast you. Burn it all down. You'll only delay the cold. All of those readings are there, and not too buried, quite frankly, but we won't stop asking the questions. We try to rationalize and understand the why in order to survive and feel safe. Carpenter knew this, and he knew our primitive drives would go wild if only introduced to the right sly stimuli. The thing is nothing if not stimulating. Even after all of my analysis and failed articulation, the film just works. This includes the dubious Fathom version blown up on a big screen this week. I've never had the benefit of seeing this theatrically until now, and the movie did not disappoint, mostly. I'd love to tell you that the now-beloved Rob Bottine effects hold up to the scrutiny of the big screen today, but that would be unfair. Bottine did not invent gags and effects meant to be seen in such refined definition. He didn't have the materials or the lighting specifications necessary to make the effects seamless 40 years later. 
These facts are most felt during close-ups of the larger dead bodies. The effects have a rubber quality to them that is jarring in a large screen. The first time you notice this is in the Norwegian camp when we see the first dead body at the desk. In fact, almost every interior of a Norwegian camp suffers under the clarity of high definition. The snow is obviously fake, as are the extremely plastic-looking icicles. The mangled thing Mac and Copper bring back has the same uncanny rubber quality until you get to the gooey parts. That is where the work of Botine really shines. Or, should I say glistens. The gloopy, globby, inner gooeyness of all the creature is still <laughs> a stomach-churning delight. The improved audio puts all the dripping and oozing right into your ears. You feel a disease presence of an alien creature all around you and the human sound in front of you as if you yourself are being consumed as you silently observe. Now, the Fathom event sound was not without its faults. Whatever process they used for the screening does have some portions of the audio that don't seem up to par when it comes to surround sound. The final explosions of the base camp felt barely in stereo. Now, I'm not a film technophile, so I can't tell you the difference between various scans, transfers, remasters, and releases. I just know that certain portions definitely felt 40 years old. Director Mick Garris attended the same event and broke down the issues. First of all, the film was shot in 2.35 by 1 widescreen aspect ratio, but was shown in 1.85 by 1. The picture was soft focus and low resolution, and the digital image was out of registration, so all the objects were rimmed in red on one side and blue on the other. Also, all movement all the way through the movie stuttered like trying to watch Netflix with a really bad Wi-Fi signal. The scene that played the most and surpassed the test of time was the Norris chess monster scene. The separation of the head from the burning body is something to behold on the largest screen possible. It doesn't look good. It looks better than any similar practical or digital effect I've ever seen. The articulation of the face and the movements of the tendrils and legs are mind-bending. The long stretch and eventual green melt of the head and neck down the table as the face contorts is the stuff of nightmares and grins. So what? I guess they don't make them like they used to, you might say. No! Nobody ever made them like this. The designer was either a certified genius or an authentic wacko, I retort and bellow. Needless to conclude, my experience was not empty, even if it was not perfect. Seeing the thing on the big screen was a revival of the senses, an experience more people should have. There are infinite nuances and details of performance and production design that the human eye cannot catch on CRTV or even 75-inch 4K OLED screens. We need the movies to be bigger than us in order for them to absorb us. They were made to be that way, and an imitation will not do.